En JCPenney, compra y ahorra en grande para el regreso a clases. Compra uno y llévate uno en selección de ropa interior, toallas Liz Claiborne y mucho más para tu familia. Además, ahorra 20% extra con tu cupón o aprovecha 25% de descuento en selección de Nike para todos. Y ahorra 40% en selección de Levi's para él y ella. También recuerda que tenemos servicio de entrega a tu auto sin contacto. Los mejores ahorros de la clase están en JCPenney. Nike y Levi's excluyen del cupón. Ofertas válidas ya. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian, Mr. Fretz. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the and Great from the Game Changer podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening. To you are listening to you are listening. Then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? The following contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Fritz. Ladies and gentlemen, celebrating five years as a podcaster, introducing Nate the Great! God save Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid I've got some good news. It's time for another edition of the Game Changer Podcast. <clears throat> that is my best uh, Wade Barrett that I can do. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this special edition. And it is the first show of August. I'm looking forward to talking about the show. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So much sights, sounds, anticipation, so much going on. Before we get too deep into it, let's get into introductions. I am Nate the Effing Great, the Paladin of Positivity, your host of Game Changer Podcast. And where would I be without my favorite Canadian cohort, the one, the only Prime Minister of Wrestle Attic Radio himself, the yellow tank top wearing, mustache rocking <laughs> Mr. Fretz. <laughs> I'm going to open this pint of beer whether I want to or not. 
Uh, that's that's a big spoiler for what we're talking about. I'm sorry for butchering that British accent. I'm sorry, Jermaine. Too sweet, brother. <laughs> oh, boy. What a show. What a weekend. Uh, I got baseball on in front of me here. The Mets and the uh, Red Sox are playing in front of a bunch of cardboard cutout fans. Oh, and I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. And ladies and gentlemen, I am standing here as you called self-proclaimed. I got a belt to legitimize it. The one, the only, the champion, the champion of WrestleAttic Radio, Nate the Effort Great. And for those of you that are looking to see what kind of championship belt I have, it is going to be showcased on Instagram from WrestleAttic Radio. And I can tell you this right now, that it's caused quite a bit of a stir, so much that I think I might have an early challenger and Mr. Uh, Mance from The Delight Show. <laughs> I was totally going to get you to raise that belt back up for a snap. Get <laughs> <It> snapshot. <laughs> there it is. There we go. Had a nice little snapshot for the Instagram folks because, you know, we like to rock it everywhere, especially on Tuesday. Every single Tuesday, it's Title Tuesday. So for those of you that have championship belts and like to rock it, join us. On Title Tuesday, every Tuesday at WrestleAttic Radio. Honestly, I think I might have forgotten. Nope, I didn't. I didn't. It wasn't my week to do Throwback Thursday. So whoever does it this week, hey, have fun with that. Um, but yeah, honestly, guys, there's quite a bit of interesting stuff talking about in the world of wrestling. But Mr. Fretz, we are back with another awesome retrospective. And Mr. Fretz, what the hell are we covering this week? Well... That would be SummerSlam 1992, Wembley Stadium, London, England, the first WWE pay-per-view to take place abroad. Well, not not abroad because WrestleMania 6 in Canada, that doesn't count. Uh, Across the pond, if you will. And uh, it is a historic night, as we will see here. And as you will see throughout the event, uh, the Brits over there... They love their wrestling. They're hungry. They're loud. They're passionate. There was allegedly, what, 80,000 people packing out Wembley Stadium. And, you know, going back to this was, uh, that was a trip. That was a fun, fun time. I actually had this on VHS that my cousin taped off of pay-per-view. But unfortunately, at least one or two matches were, preempted by like i don't know like sports center or something for some reason really uh it was like yeah and we got like i think skybox offices the the british pay-per-view channel somehow got that on the american feed on his pay-per-view tape i don't how understand how but anyways yeah it was a great event and you know if i can segue right into the Wayback Machine. Hold if on, I Mr. Fretz. We gotta we gotta do the little quick jingle, which is it's time for the Wayback yeah. Machine with Mr. Fretz. Boom shakaloo. I, that's all. That, <laughs> there, oh, there we go. I should have thought of that. Oh, and classic, the dreaded swagingle. There we go. There we, there we go. There we go. Now it's complete. Shout out to the ruthless pod. Hell's yeah, <laughs> Mr. Fretz. What was going on? During this time. Oh boy. So in video games, I have a couple of historic ones for you. Uh, I played this for you earlier. You didn't really get it. But uh, older older peeps, uh, Mats, let me just... Dude, wait. 
is totally not the one I wanted to play. Well, <laughs> there we go. Ah, uh, this is the first appearance of Kirby in Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy, like the original Game Boy, the big brick. Uh, Wolfenstein 3D made its debut on PC. And nice. The first, the first Mario Kart debuts on the Super Nintendo. What a time to be a kid! I was eight years old. I was put. I had friends who had Super Nintendos. I played the crap out of this game. I actually played it the other day on my snet on uh, on my Switch oh, nice. uh, in movies. In movies, we had three ninjas, just your kid's movie with these three ninjas that are brothers, kind of like a ripoff of the Ninja Turtles, very, very 90s, and an amazing Western starring Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman, Unforgiven, fantastic film, and in music, the number one song was Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot, and I cannot lie. (laughs) nice oh my gosh that basically what you're saying is if you were a 90s kid you were slightly spoiled if not slightly rewarded for just being a 90s kid basically you know as i said i was eight so i was born in the eight in the 80s so i got to survive half of them but yeah we were pretty spoiled and just seeing all the fashion even amongst the crowd in the UK brought me back for a little bit. All that neon, all that perm. Like, my God. Oh, man. And guys, before we get too deep into this, definitely some really nice statistics about this. Uh, One of the taglines for SummerSlam 92 was uh, the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see. And in all honesty, there were quite a few matches. I don't think a lot of people thought that we were actually going to see. Um... Another thing that was actually really cool that I brought up with you when we were talking about the show was that, you know, even though they disputed the whole attendance deal, WWE made about almost $3.6 million in revenue. And that's combined ticket purchases, merchandise sales, just all the crazy stuff that's been going on for that. It's just, this is one of those shows where I can definitely see why it was so highly regarded especially for the main event, which we are definitely going to be getting into. Uh, it's, it's just absolutely insane, and there's a lot of history that goes into this. Some were really good. Others, unfortunately, were very, very bad. But we're going to get into that in just a bit. Uh, but we actually do have some dark matches to talk about before we get too deep into this. And also, I want to mention, mention this, that even though uh, this happened in the U.K., uh, when they recorded this, it was actually on August 29th, and it aired August 31st. So they had about two days to basically make this thing look good. And to be honest, it's a pretty damn good show. But like I said, a couple of dark matches that we definitely want to talk about. Uh, Fretz and I will kind of go back and forth between the two of them. Uh, one of them is Papa Shango defeating Tito Santana in a dark matchup. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, Matt. El Matador, Tito Santana. Oh, it was El Matador. Oh, great. So, so he's bringing up the, uh, he, he's the guy that inspired the uh, the El Matador, Matadores from, uh, 
from, from like yay long time ago with El Torito, or am I thinking of somebody else? No, the, no, 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 it was the Colognes and El Torito. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, lo- I love how it's it's just like yeah. it's just the Colognes and El Torito. It's like okay, so El Torito's the only one that's got fame. Yes, got it. Yeah, we we can thank WLC for that. That that is fun. That that I, tell your boy Swoggle, I love WLC. That is some good <laughs> shit, pal. We'll do. That's some good. Sh- that's some good shit there, pal. Yeah, this was just your basic run of the mill squash match. Uh, Papa Shango's entrance uh, doesn't really do daylight. I would have rather seen like Shango and the Undertaker because Taker came out when it was just about nightfall. Uh, spoiler alert, right? And in what he comes out in. That would have looked really cool with Papa Shango's, you know, smoking skull and his voodoo stuff. Really, really hokey crap, but it it was just your run of the wheels, run of the mill squash match. And fun fact, this match also took place on the dark match in another outdoor show shortly after this at WrestleMania nine, hmm. with Tito Santana getting the win back. Oh, interesting. So basically what you're saying is that Papa Shango coming out in the daylight time when he would be better off in the nighttime basically is what was to come at WrestleMania 31 when they did Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker, where it was like still a little bit of daylight time and it definitely took away from the mystique. A, a little bit. I mean, Taker's a guy who is who is transcendent with that, so... He doesn't need the darkness. The darkness is a perfect aesthetic to his character. The darkness is but your ally, it... Mark Calloway. Ah, <laughs> oh, great. More talk about masks. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, <if laughs> I put up with enough of that. <laughs> uh, hey, hey we, we, we just got our, we got our state mandated for masks, so I'm going to feel your pain, dude. I'm going to feel your pain. It's not fun. You, you, you know, it's... Not as bad. I have glasses, so it's just a little annoying with the fog. But I got those face shields at work too. But they work. The sooner we do our part, the sooner we can just, you know. Exactly. Uh, but hey, wear them, wear them, please. I'm not going to be a bully. Just do it. Uh, the next. Can I tell a story about the next dark match we have here? By all means. So it's the Bushwhackers and Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus the Mountie. And the Nasty Boys. My boy, the... uh, My boy, the Mountie. Now, if you watched a recent episode of NXT, you saw the Mountie theme played as uh, Breezango came out to wrestle Everrise, a tag team from Quebec. Uh, Which, by the way, push Everrise, please. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. Have been since they were in Chikara, so good on them. Good to see them get some hype. I just got to talk about the Mountie. Is uh, I am the Mountie. I'm handsome. I'm brave. I'm strong. <laughs> you see him just walk. You see him just walk the aisle. He's just he's singing to the mic, just being all chipper. Da, 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 da. And you get these. Ah, now uh, how better can you say th- these nasty, grimy dudes? I, I, I've met Brian Nobbs. He's a super sweet guy. Uh, he's huge for one thing. <laughs> My God. Bigger than I thought he would be. <laughs> it's just the, the parallel we had here, and it was uh, three-point stance, Duggan wins. Uh, my, my heart is broken. My Canadian heart is broken. I think the Mountie ate the pin. I hope he didn't. 
because these matches are available on like superstars or something they broadcasted later but ah i i just love the mountie when he walks to the ring he he sings he sings in there he's a little chipper and we've talked about this before because we probably reviewed the quebecers i'm sure we have well at least we've talked about them yeah well the mountie being one half of them and the other half being pco yikes they had the Mounties entrance theme, but instead of I am the Mountie, it's to draw a distinction between them because portraying the Mountie in Canada is a no-no. We're not the Mounties. We're handsome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just perfect. And you can tell that they were just drinking, drinking beer and having a good time recording that. I freaking love the Mountie. (laughs) (laughs) That's all that matters in the end. You have fun with it. And the third dark match was uh, Tatanka defeating the Berserker, which... Huss! 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 Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the, you uh, the, know what his finisher was? Um, wax on, wax off? The, the Berserker's... No. Uh, the Berserker's finisher was he would pick you up in like a back suplex position, mm-hmm. but then he would yeet you over the top rope... And you would lose by count out. That's how he beat all the like, the enhancement talents. Wow. I mean, it's one of those things where it seems kind of... It would definitely not work nowadays. But it is one of those things where it's like, huh. So he literally brutalized them to the point where they don't want to go back in the ring. Fair enough. He's a fight. He's like... Uh, they were supposed to call him like the Viking. John Nord was like essentially the Viking. But it's like, let's just... Let's call him the Berserker. Because... I don't know, maybe Viking. I don't know if it's cultural appropriation or not. So, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, Tatanka was in the middle of his winning streak here that he would hold on to for about another year after this. Starting just before WrestleMania 8, I think, because he wrestled Rick Martel that pay-per-view. Oh, that's true. All right. Well, Mr. Fretz, I think we've put enough time into this. Let's talk about SummerSlam. First of all, Opening the show with not like even a promo package. It was an opening show where they had camera views of all the fans, of them basically saying, you know, who's who's their favorites. They're dressed up like their favorite people. Somebody's dressed like Macho Man. Some are dressed up like Bret Hart. Other people are dressed like the Warrior. Other people are supporting the British Bulldog. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite openings to a pay-per-view. I'm not even kidding. This was just really cool to see. People getting hyped up. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to see this person do it. We're going to see this person. And there was one gem in that oh, entire God. group. And Mr. Fretz, what was this one gem? The British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not. <laughs> just that kid. Just look at this kid for a second. I mean, if 1992 was a picture, you got a bowl cut, you got a boss man hat, you got a a, a black and neon purple windbreaker jacket. That's ninety two, right there. I want to. I want to find out what this kid's doing today. Like, <laughs> I bet he's been hounded for for life because this has been immortalized on probably Botchamania. Hi, Matthew. <laughs> but uh, so it, it's just so fun. Is this, it's, it's the best soundbite out of out of British wrestling, I think, since oh no, you can get some really good ones from uh, Progress. So I'll uh, leave that I'll leave that to you guys. Fair enough. Uh, and we also had some uh, trumpets playing 
which I respect because I was a band geek in high school, and trumpets were my major, so I definitely enjoyed that. It was a nice touch. Also, throughout this entire event, crowd was on their A-game. I gave the crowd an A-plus for being absolutely amazing. One thing that I could have done without was the stupid idiot that kept playing with his little air horn, doing that, and then the crowd would go like, let's go. Dude, that was... Dude, that was like half the the attendance. That that's all. Like, if, if you watch British football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, or any sports in England, that's all you get. Did you watch the World Cup or the past two? That's all they were. That's all they do. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. Shout out to my Euro- shout out to my European listeners, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine, <laughs> uh, Mar- uh, Jermaine Martin. I know there's probably more out there, but shout out to those two especially. Uh, Martin's had a rough go this year, so I want to really, really give him some love. I hope you're listening to this, bro. Hope you're doing well. Definitely. So we get the you know, introduction with you know, Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon, who can be pre- pretty good, but also pretty hit and miss when it comes to certain things. I will say this. I think I actually prefer Bobby and Vince over certain times with uh, JR and uh Jerry and another pay-per-view that we'll be talking about. We'll talk about that more later on in the show. And just to give you guys a spoiler, I've watched the entire show, so I'm excited to talk about it. But we kick off the first matchup, which is going to be Money, Inc. against Chicago Made. What a rush. rush. Roar, roar, yes. Oh, man. So they come out on motorcycles, and one thing I actually was told was that um, there was a bit of an interesting deal that actually happened here. And other than the the obvious one that we're going to be talking about in this deal, um, there was a point. I think there was a point, if I remember correctly, that Animal actually had like it was either like an exhaust or something that happened with his tights, and it actually got welded onto his skin. So he was oh. wrestling with probably a good degree burn in this matchup. And having that just meshed into his skin, just oh, that's just rough for the dude. Um, but also, we had uh, the the one and only Paul Ellering at ringside for the Road Warriors, as well as Rocco the Puppet, uh, <laughs> Francis' favorite character, Rocco. No, no, my favorite Rocco is Rocco's Modern Life. Okay, and if enough. anyone knows what that is, my God, watch that show. <laughs> Hey, even watch the movie that they released on Netflix. It's fun. Yes. So oh, you mi- know it good. So, Mr. Fritz, what did we see in this epic matchup between money and the road life? Well, I will preface this by saying that LOD, allegedly, according to the rumor and innuendo, were supposed to be in a tag title match at this pay-per-view. I believe against the Natch... No, what? probably against Money Inc. Yep, because it, it, in one of like the early photos of the uh, posters they had, it shows LOD taking on uh, Money Inc. and the Money Inc. has the tag team titles. So obviously they had to really enforce that card subject to change deal there. Yep, this was also supposed to take place, I believe, at WrestleMania Eight as well, and uh, they got in trouble. And they got in trouble here again, unfortunately. Well, before IRS. Cuts a tax cheat promo on the royal family. LOL. That was really funny. Uh, Hawks wasted. I mean, we've all seen the dark side of the ring. 
it's a hard watch. I mean, as you and I have, we have something in common. When we did your last year, your favorite tag team women, men, whatever, mm-hmm. we agreed LOD's our favorite. Still this day, I met Animal. I wore Hawk's pads. Felt special, but uh, Hawk was one of the few people who were effed tonight. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you can tell a little. I, I watched this and then I'm like, oh shit, I can tell. Oh, this is hard. So, yeah, he was supposed to give them the Doomsday device, of course, when you're loaded. Uh, doing a clothesline off the top rope is not a good idea. This was a good match on its own, and Hawk had a few moments of brilliance. He had a few flashes of good stuff here, but you just look at his face. Just you can you can look. You can tell by the look on his face, but when he was throwing people around, maybe a few botches. Animal wins with uh, his actual finisher, a power, a uh, scoop power slam. And Hawk, like when he when they were raising their hands at the end, Hawk was you know raising his hands in the corner, and he, he was kind of looking down, kind of looking downtrodden. He knew he effed up. And, well, he would actually be uh, released after this. And Animal would go on touring Legion of Doom with a new member. That being someone who's going to be on this event later, Road Warrior Crush. That's going to be fun to talk about. Uh, But, no, I agree with you. This was a pretty good matchup, despite Hawk definitely not being in the right mindset, and this was the last hurrah for uh, LOD until years later, because I think that they would come back in, like, was it, like, 99, 2000, around that time. It was definitely no, later. 96 in WCW, and 1997 on WWE, which oh, I believe right. was the same night as the ECW invasion in early 97. That's when they made their return. Okay, no, you're right, you're right. That, that, that doesn't make sense. So we cut backstage to a promo where the Nature Boy, woo, woo. Ric Flair, is talking about Mr. Perfect and what, and basically Gene Oakland's asking, which corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in? And Rick Fla- and he's basically asking, is he going to be in Savage's corner? And Flair's just smiling, grinning like an idiot. And then he's just say, asking, well, is he going to be in in the Savages' corner, Flair's still smiling. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, this is kind of a waste of a promo because Flair's not really telling us anything. But then again, he's being one of the best heels in the company right now where he's just literally like, yeah, I'm not telling you anything. You're just going to have to, you're going to have to pay your money, money to see what happens. But just enjoy me just standing and grinning just as, as a giant middle finger to your face. <laughs> yeah, but whose side is he on? <laughs> that comes a little later on, Fretz. <laughs> a couple more years in a different company. But uh, then we, we cut from that to a backstage interview with Virgil. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I think this is actually my first Virgil matchup that I've ever seen. Uh, promo he kind of cuts is pretty generic. Nothing really too special. It's just, it's just, eh. so we go to the next match, which is Virgil versus Nails, and got and for you people that are saying, well, is this the is this like a '90s name? Is it really cool? Oh yeah, Nails. 
with a Z. That is totally 90s, because we had to be cool and radical. No, because this was stupid. Uh, this matchup, I think that I can honestly say that if there was any comparison to what Dolph Ziggler is right now, Virgil is kind of that person. Oh. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. This matchup was literally nails just butchering Virgil. Virgil probably gets like a little bit of offense, but Nails is just like, I'm going to choke you, and I'm going to follow you up with another chokehold. I'm going to finish you off with, guess what? A chokehold. Yeah, Nail wins with a chokehold. Um, no, nothing really special about this matchup. Nails is, you know, it went over. Uh, my belief is that it's going to be for a match with uh, Big Boss Man, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, really I have nothing else to say about this matchup other than Nails with a Z. Uh, yeah, good old Nails. Uh, Kevin something. You know one of his ring names was Kevin Kelly? Uh, yeah, that, that, that'll cause some confusion. <laughs> yeah, Nails, the, 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 the prisoner guy who was like a convict in the Cobb County Jail and took out the boss man for a while. Then this led to, yeah, I think it was some kind of nightstick on a pole match at Survivor Series 92. Uh, oh, joy. Uh, yeah, very unmemorable. His his choke looked, his like sleeper chokehold looked pretty weak. And uh, Kevin, Kevin Nails here is a little bit infamous for a alleged dispute he had with one Vince McMahon. Are you aware of this story? Is it him basically saying, like, no, it, it's got to be with an S, and Vince is like, no, damn it, it has to be with a Z. Nah, no, nah, the, Z, the, Z, uh, the the Lord Zed police weren't in effect here yet, but oh. now nah, he was released from his contract in December after an alleged attack on Vince McMahon in his office over a financial dispute while John Nord, the berserker, watched at the door, and Bret Hart recalled... Uh, Kevin here, cornering Vince in his office and screamed at him for 15 minutes. Hart claimed he was just down the hall from the office when he heard a loud crash, which was, allegedly, uh, the guy knocking Vince over in his chair, choking him violently, whole bunch of lawsuits and all that, and Kevin here uh, testified against Vince McMahon in the steroid trial, but it was something to do with uh, do you, do you hate, he was trying to like bust him it's like do you hate vince mcmahon yes did you do steroids no but i hate vince mcmahon kind of deal so his testimony was pretty weak and the character was weak it was it was cops and robbers like you knew when the big boss man was in town that we're gonna see a robber and then he would continue this gimmick in wcw as the convict how original. Oh, joy of fucking joys. Uh, we get a backstage interview with Lord Alfred Hayes, who is, in all honesty, one of my favorite interviewers of all time. I'm not even kidding. This man is so entertaining. He kind of brings, like, he's kind of the glue that holds the show together to make it even more firm. Uh, he basically is just backstage. He's trying to figure out what's going on here. He wants to find out who Mr. Perfect is we back him behind. He was outside uh, Randy Savage's deal, but nothing really too crazy happened there. 
Not until we reach the Warrior one. The Warrior one is awesome. I'm just hyping that up right now. So, we get another backstage deal with Sherry Martell. Damn! What an attire. Uh, Definitely, oh, jeez. I mean, just the sparkles and the revealing. Just like, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, in the 90s, Sherry Martell definitely knew how to use every single bit of her body and looked just absolutely amazing. God God bless the woman. She taken way too soon. I'm just saying that right now. Um, she uh-huh. talks about her match th- that uh, H- that her man HBK has with Rick Martell, which is coming up. Uh, and basically, she's talked to both the, the men, and they've agreed. No shots to the face. So, cue Anchorman joke here. Because that's all you need to know. It's like, rule number one, no shots to the face. And that is it. <laughs> So I'm calling this the Ron Burgundy matchup because <laughs> it just needs that. <laughs> so it is the Ron Burgundy matchup. It's Shawn Michaels versus Rick Martell. Oh, man. Honestly, the way that they were building this up was that uh, Rick Martell is kind of doing these flirty deals with Sherry. She kind of likes it. Shawn is obviously not very pleased about this, and this is getting under Shawn's skin. So this is kind of one of those things where it's like, well, Sean wants to show up, Rick Martell. And basically Sherry's just like, well, I just don't want you guys to hurt each other's, you know, money makers. So no shots to the face. And both like, all right, fine. Sean's just like, well, it's fine. I'm going to be the Intercontinental Champion soon anyway. And you're going to be an afterthought, Rick Martell. Sorry, this is like. Probably, Ouch. That, that, no, no relation between Sherry Martell and Rick, by the way. They're not even the same last name. <laughs> true. It's not the same shoot last name. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, we started off with a little bit of a strip tease on Shawn Michaels, which even then it was like, holy mackerel. That's uh, that's not something you'd see on... Uh, no, it's something you would see. Thank you, Angel Garza. God bless you, man. Uh, <laughs> oh, Angel, yeah, the pants. <laughs> the pants go. And uh, oh, also congratulations to Angel Garza, as well as uh, Big Swole and Cedric Alexander, who got married to recently. Hey, so, I didn't know about Big Swole. Awesome. Yeah, it was. Well, it's one of those things where it actually makes a lot of sense that she got uh, suspended in AEW, because that way she can actually do her, have her wedding, probably have a nice honeymoon. Really cool, so... Congratulations, Mazel Tov to both both couples. Uh, we we kind of saw the whole deal with uh, Angel Garza getting engaged on NXT, so the wedding was bound to happen sooner or later. Also, Charlie Caruso. Oh yeah. Just re- just remember that I Char- yeah, Charlie, my, keep it in your pants, honey. <laughs> I was gonna say I I, ha- I have a shoulder that you can cry on, honey. It's okay. It's okay. Me too. Me too. <laughs> getting back to this matchup. <laughs> We just went from from striptease to talking about wedding. Well, then again, honeymoon phase. Never mind. Never mind. We're getting past that. Um, honestly, this matchup is pretty fairly even. I like the back and forth deal that they had. Uh, during the matchup, Rick Martell gives Sherry a hug, which she's just like, oh, I I don't know what to think now. Uh, there's a lot of moon sightings during this matchup, if you know what I mean. It's... Uh, Definitely not, none of the which are Sherry's moons. Let's just say Blue that right moon now. of Kentucky, keep on shining. <laughs> so, 
they're, go they're going back and forth. It looks like they're about to strike each other in the face, and Sherry just fall falls and passes out. To which Sean and Rick are just like, oh, no, no, this can't be happening. Uh, we see both of them try to tend to, tend to uh, Sherry, but also they beat each other down on the outside, which ends in a double countout. Boo, boo, gentleman's boo, because it's in England. But we also see a moment where Sherry actually pops her head up, and she's kind of looking down, seeing what's going on, and then she just goes right back to being passed out. <laughs> uh, so we get this kind of weird, like, back-and-forth deal between Sean and Rick. They're basically trying to carry Sherry to the back, and Sherry just takes a lot of bumps to her. She took more, I think she even took more bumps than either men in this match up. <laughs> Because I think uh, I think it's Rick who is carrying her for carrying her first. Sean not, knocks him out, and she just spills onto the ground. Does the Sean does the same thing? There goes there goes Sean. Sherry's getting taken down. Uh, but then it gets to be very comical because <laughs> Sherry is picked up by Sean, and then Rick Martel comes out with a bucket of water. To which Sean's like, don't you do it, don't you do it. If this would have been smelling salts, this would have been even funnier, but this was just as good. And Rick is just like playing to the crowd like, oh, do you want to see who just pours what? what? I'm sure somebody was just like, no, don't do it, she's going to melt like the Wicked Witch of the West. No, she didn't. She just ended up, <laughs> she just ended up getting really pissed. So yeah, she gets doused with water. Rick and Sean are just beating each other up to the backstage area, sharing it. Sherry's just like, where is where are both these guys? Runs to the back, and that's about it. Honestly, I enjoyed the matchup. I didn't like that it ended in a double count-up, but at the same time, this is one of those few times where it made sense because it keeps the story going, and it probably would create for some great more great matches between Rick and Sean. So yeah, honestly, I'm okay with how this matchup kind of ended. It told a story. It made you kind of really get a little invested in it, and I was kind of like, okay, I want more matches between these two. Yeah, I'm with you there. This was a... At first, this was a bit of a wink-off between Sherry and Rick and Sean and Martel coming out uh, weeks after the... Uh, either at Wimbledon or the UK Open or the US Open, tennis was just happening... In the tennis outfit, and then they say something about Andre Agassi, and then you hear Rick in his thick Montreal accent. Uh, you're not from Cocoa Beach, Florida, but don't don't fool us. Eat your hot dog, Andre Agassi. <laughs> uh, so good. HBK's giant mirror. Oh my god, <laughs> this takes me back. Uh, the Sherry singing Sexy Boy, her coming out with a giant mirror. Uh, please don't let the sun glare on that and uh, fry Sean like an ant, please. Uh, and then we see many gratuitous shots of Sherry's butt. Nice. Uh, the mullet, the, the mullets on display here. And Bobby Heaton during this whole deal just going... Oh, that's right. Whistling the theme, and there's one. I don't know if it has to be one when he's with Monsoon on like a Coliseum video, and you just hear like the theme song stop playing. Just 
gorilla slaps him in the face. <laughs> Will you be serious? <laughs> oh, I miss him so much. Like, oh, will you stop? So we see a model checking himself in the mirror and probably checking the reflection of Sherry's ass. Uh, I would, too. No, they're not related. I wrote down here again in underlines. (laughs) Rick Martell starts doing a cartwheel, and then they go for a... uh, I'm just... I'm trying to think. They're... Wasn't there a wrestler that would always... I'm not talking about Bailey here, but it would like... No, it's like when Steve Austin and uh, Kurt Angle were fighting over hugging Vince McMahon. This, oh, that's, that's what this right. part reminded me of. And you see, like, well, he hugs Vince, and you get, like, Steve Austin's big, like, friggin' uh, Dexter Loomis stare in the background. Uh, that's right. HB, and th- there was a bit here, well, since they're not going for the face... Excuse me, uh... HVK did a super kick to the chest. Oh, of, that's right. Yeah. They, they brought it up. Although the, the, the back suplex was his finisher here, so this super kick was his transitional move. And then they have a slap bet. And if you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, you are very familiar with what a slap bet is. I will not explain that to you. Uh, <laughs> um, watch How I Met Your Mother, for love of God. And uh, Sherry faints. And then Martel starts doing compressions. Bro, we all know, we all saw that you were copping second base. Come on, dude. Be more subtle. It's true. Uh, or, or don't cop second at all. I did not condone on this. Uh, then there's a count out, and Sherry's faking it. Sean would know a lot about that. Oh! Oh, damn. Um, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. This was just your... The water was okay. They're gonna throw in some British humor, like with a clown in water here. This is fine. There was a nice narrative here. There was a fun story. I would have loved to see a match like this with the Intercontinental Title on the line. Michaels would win this like a couple of weeks after the show. I can tell you about the WWE title at, at, when we get there, but yeah, this is fun, and they had great chemistry. So if you had. Martell in his prime in like the 80s against, say, either this Michaels or O2 Michaels. That's just dream match material. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. 100%. Definitely. Uh, So we're going to do one more thing and then we're going to take a quick little commercial break. Uh, Nasty Boys. Promo. I literally put down too much crazy for me because this was one of those things where I either could not understand them or I was just like, this is, this is just too far out for me. Maybe I'm just not intelligent enough to understand or better appreciate the majesty that is Brian Nobbs and Terry Sags. But all I got out of this was, how come we're not getting a tag team title shot? How come we're not getting a tag team title shot? And Jimmy's you, just, you got a tag team title shot, baby! You got it! Uh, I, this is the catalyst for their face turn, by the way. So. <laughs> I, we want a tag team challenge. Where's the spaghetti around here? We need a skinny man. And Big Show's like, where's my skinny? You got the spaghetti, baby! You got the tag team title shot coming! I'll, 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 I'll talk to Jack Tony! We got it! We got it, baby! Yeah, yeah! I got your contract, yeah! I'm probably not going to screw you over. You know it's going to turn face, baby! Yeah! Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love doing these impressions. They're so much fun. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about SummerSlam 
1992. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hey guys, this is Nate the Up and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to the modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well that these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the Effing Great, and I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. What's up, folks? This is Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast, here to tell you about my Patreon show, the 20 Bell Salute, where I go back 20 years ago each month in wrestling and pop culture. What movies were out, what video games we were playing, what music we were downloading on Napster, and what wrestling pay-per-views took place that month in WWE and what other promotions happen to still exist at this time. So join me in my Y2K-compliant DeLorean as I go 20 years into the past on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Join us for only five bucks a month. Allow me to beg your indulgence for one moment. This is the former intellectual savior of the masses, Damian Sandow, now known as Aaron Stevens, and this message is for Nate the effing great. Nate. Your buddy James, he uh, he asked me to wish you a very, very happy birthday. So I wish you the absolute happiest of birthdays. And I uh, did not say how old you're turning, which is fine because age is just a number. It's all up here. I know some people that are in their 50s that act like they're 12. So happy birthday, Nate. Um, I'm not sure uh, FN is your middle name or great is your last name, but uh, happy birthday again to Nate the FN great. I hope you have a wonderful one, and as always, <clears throat> you're welcome. Damn it, Fritz, you had to give me one of the best cameos I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> as, as soon as I realized, yeah, by the time you hear this, I think it will be or almost be Nate's birthday, so good brother. Happy birthday to you! Cheers. Uh, welcome to the thirties. Uh, it's not. It's not that bad here. It's. It's okay. Age is just a number. Uh, I wonder who who he was referencing here. Thanks, Aaron Stevens, Damian Sandow. Uh, I told him that that you were a big fan of Sandow. I asked him also about the podcast, but it's like it's okay that he didn't plug it. It's okay. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's all about you, brother. It's all about you. So cheers. Hey, to be fair. Even I'm okay with the fact that Aaron Stevens, you know, at least replied to us back. I'm like somebody who wouldn't do a nice steal for us. Damn it! What a creepy little bastard! You little perk. We'll get into that more. I think I think we'll do that more when we do our when we do our SummerSlam 2000 cover. But actually, this is kind of perfect because from the former intellectual savior of the masses to, in all honesty. 
one of the greatest minds in all of WWE. Fight me, I dare you. Because we have the tag team title matchup. The Natural Disaster taking on the Beverly Brothers with the genius. And I gave him an A-plus for his poem. This was great. This was just... It was just absolutely awesome. But, uh, Mr. Fretz, what did we see in this matchup between... Oh my gosh, you you lucky son of a gun. Yeah, I met him. I, I, I brought up a picture of when I met the genius at Comic-Con. Yeah, we had a poem from the genius and uh, something... I, I should have wrote this whole thing down, Dan. As soon as I saw that, I was like, fuck, I should have wrote this one down. Because that would have been awesome. I, I, I know the date. It's like, you know, I'm presenting the, the new champions, the brothers Beverly. And I'm a sucker for this entrance theme for some ungodly reason. I'm just going to try and and break it out here now. Uh, have you seen a bear? If you want to see a hell of a thing, look up a Beverly Brothers squash match. That Shaker Heights spike. Ouch. Oh, my God. Ouch. Ouch. And we had just a... I mean... You are now entering Beverly Zone. Act 2. Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> That's a green zone. Yeah, no, this is more like Spring Yard Zone or oh. maybe... Not quite Casino Night Zone. Yeah, I'm going to start riling off Sonic shit here because that's all I was playing in 1992. Uh, by the way, Sonic 2 came out in fall of 92, one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, yeah, Beverly Brothers, I thought, uh, like, Wayne Bloom, no relation to A-Train, and Mike <laughs> Enos. <Matt> Enos. <laughs> His name's Enos. Enos. He's like, uh, that bit on family guy is like, and 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 Enos, or no, don't you mean and and Enos? Don't you mean Enos? <laughs> uh, that, that that one's for you, Derek. Uh, that <laughs> Peter laugh. I'm known for that at work. So yeah, everyone at Valley Mark shout out. So uh, yeah, the Beverly Brothers. I thought were the two wrestlers themselves, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, amazing in ring performers, like underrated. But you went up against the tag team champions, the natural disasters, who got a hell of a pop. I was shocked. Like, as soon as that rumble hit, up went the fans. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love, like, Earthquake, God rest his soul. And a man I was just talking about, because I just recorded the Fave 5 before we went on air, the Shockmaster Typhoon. Ooh. Top five favorite botches available this Sunday on Francis Pay Five. There we go. Cheap plug. Anyway. Yeah, uh, this was a literal squash match. You had them just bumping into each other. There's almost half a ton between them. And this is when I learned when I was a kid watching this. I learned that half a ton was a thousand pounds, not five hundred. For some reason I thought it made sense to me that a ton was a thousand pounds. I don't know why. I was I was stupid, still am, uh, a little bit dumb, but a combined weight of 852 pounds. That's like almost as big as Yokozuna got at the end of his career. And I'm not kidding. Like, uh, watch or don't watch Heroes of Wrestling. He was 800 pounds. God help us. Uh, uh, yeah. 
So there was no way in hell you're going to get earthquake or typhoon up in the Shaker Heights spike. That's kind of like it. That's an Irish whip move, and you kind of bring them down for a flapjack. But the other guy grabs you by your head and does like a face buster with it. But he Triple H pedigreed a guy in the neck with that move. Oh, a literal squash and a awesome poem from the genius. This was entertaining because, well, we knew we weren't getting LOD for the tag titles. Natural Disaster had recently turned face. I think they were the tag champs at WrestleMania. No, Money Inc. was, so they traded the titles. Anyways, a couple of hoax spots here. Power, uh, double Sandwich, Avalanche, Power Slam, Richter Scale, and even the geniuses friggin' uh, what do we call those things? The diploma scroll. parch scroll. Thank you. I was going to say his diploma or something. Uh, yeah, he, even the, they brought out the scroll. They cracked a guy with they cracked earthquake with the scroll. Nope, that's not putting him down. You're, you'll just be left to lose to Money Inc. on a house show. So, spoiler alert there. I, I love the natural disasters. I love Earthquake. He's fellow Canadian. So, yeah, Good. sorry. So, I will say that I do love that Metal Scroll. That was one of the things where I was just like, okay, this this is cool. This is something sophisticated. We need more of this in wrestling. Because there's always, like, the classic, like, there's a kendo stick or steel chair. It's the creativity behind it. It's a Metal Scroll. Let's just see, let's just see more of stuff like that. And I will say this, Bobby Heenan definitely did have one of my favorite lines in this matchup, which um, uh, one of the Beverly Brothers was getting beaten up by the Natural Disasters, and it was like, it's like eight versus one, the man's not going to survive this. <laughs> oh, which, in all honesty, he's oh, not gosh. wrong. I mean, 852 pounds. That's like eight guys coming after you, so <laughs> to be fair, he's not wrong. But, That's yeah. like four means, so. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's four yeah. Mr. Fretzes. <laughs> or four Fretzes on the Fretzer scale. Um, yeah, the, this matchup was... I, I don't know if I would really call it a squash. Uh, I did have a note that the Beverly Brothers did he- held their own at least a couple of times. But, yeah, I think it would be like 25% of the match was Brothers and 75% was, yes, the natural disasters. Either way, they retained. That That's about it. Uh Hey, are we waiting for another wacky promo? Well, you're going to have to deal with it because it's the Bushwhackers. They are talking to Mean Gene. Uh, there's, there, there's, like, there's like a London Bridge joke about uh, Luke. In all honesty, it's kind of funny because it's one of those things where it's like, um, you do realize they made a joke about, din- about the Brits having bad dentistry, right? So why would you want a London Bridge from, oh, because it's from England. Okay. I see your scheming, Mean Gene. And then Butch the talks about <laughs> Butch talks about getting invited to the Buckingham Palace, which I would pay to see. I would have loved to have seen the Butchwhackers at Buckingham Palace where all the very polite and very dignified people would be at that. The Bushwhackers. They, they lick Her Majesty. <laughs> oh, you get to sit on the royal throne. Hey, Cousin Luke, did you bring something to read? I did. Curtis Stoss's book right here. <laughs> oh, man. I, I will say this. The Bushwhackers can be very entertaining. And this was one where I was like, okay, this this was funny. Um, and here's, may I? If you may. 
if I may uh, beg your indulgence here for a second about, about the bushwhack. If you want something funny with the bushwhackers, go on the network. It was It's one of the Coliseum videos. I don't know if it's bashed in the USA or something, but there's these skits where the bushwhackers and I think Lord Alfred, well, Lord Alfred Hayes, say that three times fast, and maybe Mean Gene, they're renovating a house. Oh, God, that's I love it already. all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Seek this out. It's so, funny. Well, also, speaking of Lord Alfred Hayes, he's back. And he's outside watch? the Ultimate Warriors dressing room. And I will say this. I actually called him the English Crocodile Hunter because it's almost like... <laughs> We're literally just like, why? We're gonna try to get into this very sophisticated handle. Yeah, he just tries to open the door, and the door just goes boom. Just, just stops him. Well, I say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he calls. He said. He says, in an act of rudeness, <laughs> the warrior just closed his door. <laughs> And all I'm thinking to myself is, yeah, sure, an act of rudeness as you try to enter the door while trying to be a peeping Tom. Without no, without knocking. That's oh, and speaking of peeping Tom, Lord Al, I take you back to Royal Rumble 1993. Oh boy, Sherry Martel, a distraught Sherry, uh, who was in the corner of Shawn Michaels. However, uh, Marty Jannetty hadn't resurfaced at this point in time, and I believe that there was a spot with a mirror, and Sherry got inadvertently hit with it, and she was kind of like, whose side is she on? Mm. And it's like, okay, and and interfering Lord Alfred Hayes, okay, get out while I go change into my nylons. Oh, can I watch? (laughs) Get out, you dirty man! (laughs) That's happened several times with with Sherry. And Lord L. God rest both of their souls. They're probably talking about up there, up there right now because they hear us talking about it. Oh, can I watch? You are a dirty man, Alfred Hayes. <laughs> oh, I love him. Alfred Hayes is a treasure. I don't care what anybody says. Personal uh, consideration. Pray bull for the following. That should have been our freaking outro to the commercial there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, I had a thought of that. Uh, well, def- I definitely want to get that before the year's over. Um, next up, we have the Repo Man versus Crush in a battle for the ages. No, I'm I'm not gonna lie, you guys. Literally, Repo Man's best move was an eye poke. Crush, I compared to like early Goldberg, and Crush wins with a vice grip. That's all I got. It was an okay match. Nothing really too crazy for me. Repo. This theme is one of my favorite of all time. How can you not like that theme? Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Other than the awesome called. theme, I'll give you that. This matchup was nothing. Yeah, this was the official breakup of Demolition. Uh, Demolition Smash, Wrestling Demolition Crush. Uh, Crush was a big boy. Looking about, looking at this again, and I'm like, I re- I forgot how big this guy was. I saw him live 
when he was in the DOA. Ironically, I think his last match in WWE, uh, or one of them. Speaking of squash, literally, I'm not going to do that to my mic because that would distort <laughs> our, our sound even more even more than it usually is. Hey-o, uh, hey this is my favorite wrestling theme of all time, and I want... This is someone's. If anyone's listening to this right now, you can press pause, listen to this theme, and then listen to Sid Justice, aka Psycho Sid, but the Sid Justice theme from 1991. Very similar sounding. That's all. That's all I'm going to say here. There's your homework for the night. Uh, I saw this and I'm like, Crush for WWE Champ, Crush for Intercontinental Champ, Push Crush to the Moon. Yes, Cranium Crunch. Over. And Repo Man uh, would probably have to go and repossess his dignity after this match. But, whoo, this is where I would put in the WrestleMania 5 jazz music. Omega Powers! Explode! Demolition! Explode! I ran that joke <laughs> around. Uh, yeah. I have a, Crush is a guilty pleasure for me. Like, so is Psycho Sid. Literally, Sid is probably number six. Um, if I had to do a fave five again... <laughs> But yeah, I love it. Guilty pleasure. Crush is the best. Like, oh, God rest him. There's so, so many dead people on this show. I'm depressed. It, oh gosh, and we're about to deal with two more because oh, um, we have Mean Gene Okerlund backstage. He's basically recapping the rivalry between Macho Man and the Warrior. And ladies and gentlemen, let me give you the proper rivalry recap of this matchup. Because how they had the recap was stupid. Because it was controversial. They had a controversial end to a tag team match. Literally, it's one of those things where you could have built up the fact that Macho Man and Warrior had a career-threatening match. Warrior ended Macho Man's career. You build it off of that. And Macho Man, he has something to prove. I'm the champion over here. You ended my career. You ain't ending my title shadow. No, no. And the warrior said, I've broken your watch map before. And watch your man suffer slam. I'll do it again. And okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Warrior ended Russ Macho Man's career. He's the champion at this pay-per-view a year and a half after. Nice continuity events, but oh my yeah. god, this match and the last match! Holy shit! And uh, yeah, the, I've got. I will say this: that this is the second best match that they've had. I still think that their match at WrestleMania was the better one, just because of the emotion that everything had for that. But this was still a really good matchup. And again, they were building up the whole: what side is Flair? Gonna, is Mister Perfect going to be on? Is he going to be on Warrior side? Or is he going to be on Savage's side? What a shock! Neither. He is he, I'm only on one side, and that is my own. Uh, who was that? <laughs> I don't know who it was, but it was awesome. Um, Let's just say it's Undertaker or Ultimate Warrior. Sure. Who cares? <laughs> um, I will say this. Like I said, great matchup. Not a fan of the whole body gear for Ultimate Warrior. It looks really, really weird. It's kind of one of those things where I see him having, like, the, you know, the abs... On his on his full gear, it kind of looks like one of those things where it looks like a freaking CGI dealed before the CGI was even a thing. <laughs> it was CGI. weird. Eye or an eye? 
hey, we've already passed that match. Shut up. We're not going back there. Unless it's Aleister Black knocking an eye out of Seth Rollins. Then we'll talk about it. Uh, I can write that matchup. I can fantasy book that. Vince, you can't do that because you're senile and you're insane. Just ask everybody. Anyway, like I said, this matchup is amazing. Great back and forth between the two of them. You get some classic warrior you know, offense. You have some classic macho man offense. Flair and Perfect decide to wreck everything. And all it was for was Flair wanted Savage for the championship. Flair lost the title to Savage at WrestleMania. He wants revenge. It makes sense. And in all honesty, the show of respect between Royer and Savage, I kind of dug it. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, you know what? We're definitely going to have another chapter for this. And it's going to be good. And we're going to settle the score. For right now, obviously, got to take out the, the nature boy. Yeah, all honesty, like you said, like second best match on the card. Because there's one that does surpass it. But Mr. Fretz, your overall thoughts of this WWE Championship match? I thought it was a very good, given for who we had in the ring, for the limitations of the Ultimate Warrior, when you have someone like Randy Savage who can carry you through this match and meticulously, uh, it was great. It was like, you know, Whose side is he on? And something I have written down here is uh, I call this match competitive sportsmanship. Uh, Warrior does a really nice walking, wandering, reverse atomic drop. Macho Man hits about 75 uh, Macho Axe handles. Warrior warriors up. Uh, We see a whole whack of kickouts. Warrior catches a diving Macho Man into a backbreaker. Uh, Savage does the shake, rattle, and roll. The rolling neck breaker. There's a stun gun. Uh, one, two. He gets him. No, he doesn't. Okay, Vince. Seriously. Oh, yeah. 90s Vince. Oh, he gets him. No, he doesn't. Ah. Uh, Flair and Perfect come out and ruin the show. Flair trips Savage. Uh, Warrior sold out. I knew it. He sold out. This is to talk Lex Luger uh, two years earlier. Uh, okay, Boo. Uh, Warrior takes advantage as a ref bump, and then, oh no, Savage is the one who sold about. This isn't Ted DiBiase, folks. Uh, Warrior does like a top rope X smash. Like, Warrior never went to the top rope. Another ref bump. Where's the disqualification? Pile driver. Uh, Perfect tries to wake up Warrior. Savage is waking up the ref at the same time. Flair nails the Warrior, and. We were supposed to get the formation of the Ultimate Maniacs against Flair and Perfect at Survivor Series, but because Warrior was fired after this show, uh, Savage is a really nice spot where it's like Warrior's down, but yet he sees the two guys on the outside, and it's like he has kind of a moment of, what do I do? I'm just going to give you a double axe handle smash off the top rope to the outside and then blow up my knee and get counted out. And because titles can't win on a countout unless you're Sasha Banks, which, by the way, boss time, I love that. We're not talking about that tonight, but I freaking loved it. Summer of Sasha. Uh, Ric Flair with the chair. It's like, oh, he's just looking at Bobby Heenan. He's like, oh, they're just looking for a place to sit. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, flying tackle. 
another gorilla press, a trip, another chair, a DQ, uh, and that's this. And I had that spot here. It's like flying elbow. Nope, dive to Flair, and Flair kind of counters him with a chair in the leg. And oh, that's right. do you? I'm going to give you a little uh, fun fact here. Mm-hmm. So not long after this, Ric Flair would win the title back from Savage. That's right. And this is when this was a rather unusual. Uh, way Warrior chases them away. Sportsmanship at the end. Yay. Ric Flair won, yes, with the figure four. But do you remember the figure four being pinfall? No. So when, when Ric Flair locked in the figure four, like, well, Savage was, wasn't was getting up. So his shoulders were on the mat. And there were some times where not only would it where the figure four would be treated as a submission, but it was a pinfall. So Flair Savage was dead. So he locked in the figure four. And no! three weeks later, Bret Hart, but <laughs> weird, weird stuff here. I think, I think it was a Saturday night's main event. It might've been close to the one, where HBK won the IC title, but I love this match. Not as much as WrestleMania 7, because the emotions, and I'm going to stop because I will cry thinking about Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Oh, just yeah. these two in the ring, man. No, love it. Definitely. Uh, going from that great matchup to kind of a car crash of a matchup, we have the Uganda giant Kamala taking on... The Undertaker. And in honesty, guys, we were talking earlier about the how like the mystique would be taken away if it was during the daytime. This was during dark nighttime. And we see Undertaker coming out in a hearse led by Paul Bear. Oh, oh yes. This was this was beautiful. This was one of those things where I literally have my notes, Undertaker with a hearse, as only he can. Because only he can bring out a freaking hearse. <laughs> Gosh, if he would have made if he would have put the last ride match in this era, it would have worked. I'm calling that right now. <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> oh, nailed it, bro. Oh, but but Kamala. Okay, <laughs> I'm <laughs> game. Be interesting. I mean, they had Undertaker face off against like every big time, big bellied dude. Uh, we have Kamala, Yokozuna. King Kong Bundy. Vader. Vader. I'm, I might be leaning it on Vader. But anyway, this matchup itself, nothing really too... <sighs> Undertaker hits Kamala with two old schools, which I thought was cool. That was kind of interesting to kind of see that. Um, he's able to get Kamala with the choke slam. It looks like he's going to get him with the tombstone. But in comes Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi to break this whole thing up. And it's like, Oh, you done it now. You gonna made a big mistake. And he can't allow... Sorry. <laughs> I don't know this why he just went into that. This is gonna be your judgment day. A cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're nerds. Um, yeah, so Undertaker wins by a disqualification. The feud is not over. Kamala beats down Undertaker. He does like a... You've gotten splash on him. And it's like, oh, well, we got The Undertaker. Undertaker sits up, looks at him, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, the feud between Kamala and Undertaker is far from over. 
I believe that they actually went into a casket match at Survivor Series, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Survivor Series 92, the first casket match. Although there was a body bag match in 91 with Warrior? Yeah, and Warrior beat him. Uh, yeah, th- this was just a let's set up the next pay-per-view. Uh, do you know who Kim Chi was, by the way? Wasn't that the Brooklyn Brawler? Yes. Who was also doing the clown and MVP. Uh, not that MVP, uh, because he would go on to be, of course, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz, because baseball was on strike, and wrestling doesn't go on strike. <laughs> Look it up. It, it, it's, it's real. Can, uh, can, scare tactics. So I want, Taker's not human. Oh, Sorry. No, no, you go, you go ahead. You finish your thought, and then I want to talk about Abe for a minute. Uh, okay. Uh, say, Taker was not human. PCO takes notes. And there's one thing here. Yeah, uh, Uganda, I'll, I'll just say Kamala was kind of a actually yeah, racially insensitive stereotype. He was going to cook Undertaker in a pot. Well, okay then. That was my notebook. <laughs> it's like, nope, can't write this shit. Um, uh, so I would move on away from that to a funnier note with Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I will say this: he does have one of my favorite um, moments in in Raw, where, um, where where it was the uh, it was the family portrait Raw, where they had. Vince, Stephanie, Shane, and then out came Hornswoggle. They're going to have a nice little family picture. Then Triple H is just like, you know, you said you loved a lot of people. And this is where he brought out people like Molina and Sonny and Mae Young. And then a bunch of other people came in. They had Pat Patterson, Jared Briscoe. It's funny. At the very end, here's Abe Knuckleball Schwartz just standing there. And Triple H is like, who are you? Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. I guess Brooklyn Brawler had the night off. Although this would also explain Vince's fascination with balls. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's such a childish deal, but at the same time, it's funny to me. Just because of that, that, that nice little low-blow reference to the Brooklyn Brawler. And then just being like, oh yeah, we, we're, we're, we're humiliating Vince. That's right. And it's like, it works. It works. I applaud you, Triple H. That was smart. Uh... Just don't, just and he was also in there as a rib because Brooklyn Brawler pinned Triple H in 2000. <laughs> that is true. God, why didn't they bring that up during Triple H Appreciation Night? That would have been funny. <laughs> They're going to bring that up during this Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, probably. Anyway, so now we get into the main event. The Intercontinental Championship. What? Not the WWE Championship? No, ladies and gentlemen, because... For once, WWE was thinking, you know, we have a guy that's bred here that is really big in the UK crowd. Let's put him in the main event. Well, I mean, who, who could you possibly do? Could we put him against Macho Man? No, we can't do that. How about how about against the uh, how about the Warrior? Maybe he's going to get no. Have him maybe we could have him fight the Undertaker. No, we can't do Undertaker. He's Taker's guy. Still look strong. Damn it, we need somebody else. Somebody else. Uh, uh, who do we not have? Uh, well, I mean, we don't have Bret Hart's schedule. Put him in the ring with Bret Hart. Well, he's the Intercontinental Champion. Put the title on the line, damn it. Let's make it special. And for once, Vince McMahon had a brilliant idea. So we get a backstage deal where the British Bulldog talks about the matchup, where he's basically saying he's going to put family aside 
and focus more on the championship. And about a couple minutes later, we have Bret Hart talking about this. And he's basically saying, that is the most disrespectful thing you could ever say to me, man. That you're the reason why why I am here with, you know, here in the WWF. And he's basically making it seem like he is the one. Bret is definitely kind of healing it up in this deal. Which I kind of get at the same time. It's one of those things where it's like, he's kind of a little bit of the baby face here or something. Uh, uh, but there's also a dungeon reference in this matchup, which I thought was great. Anytime they mention the Stuhart dungeon, it's just a beautiful deal. I think that basically he was saying something along the lines of, uh, you know, once you get done battling with me, it's going to be like a walk in the dungeon. Something like that. I I forgot exactly what the words were, but it's one of those things where it was just really good. Follow that up with a Balboa Highlanders performance of bagpipes, and honestly, it was beautiful. It's one of those things like, well, I mean, the only thing missing is, holy sh! it's Roddy Roddy Piper! <laughs> he comes out, and obviously, I'm not going to lie, guys, it obviously sounds like it's auto-tuned, because I see Piper try, basically try to play the bagpipes, and the music is just not exactly in sync with him. So it's like, okay, parts of this are... A little bit auto-tuned, but you know something. At the same time, he I, knew he knew how to play, though. Oh no, I believe that. Trust me, I I watched Storage Wars. I know that. <laughs> I got a funny story. We'll get into when it's my turn. But ooh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't care. It's one of those things where it's like Piper, Piper could play the bagpipes. It's great. It's great to see this Highlander deal. It's awesome. Uh, just before we get into the main event, we have Sean Mooney interviewing Diana Hart. Hart Smith, I apologize. Uh, basically, trying to talk about the build up to this matchup, and she really didn't have like a clear cut choice on who was going to win because she loves her husband, but she also loves her brother Brett. She's basically just torn between this. Uh, honestly, she was really showcasing what you know the family tension kind of felt like, and what really killed me throughout this entire interview is. F you, Sean Mooney, for cutting her off so many times. And you could tell that Diana was not happy about, you know, getting cut off a couple of times because just her facial reaction of just being like, oh, you're not even going to let me finish my sentence? It's like, Sean Mooney, you suck, man. This is the one time where I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you think you're the perfect guy? Look at this interview. Look at it. You're a liar. Who is he, me? I, I don't know if I would go that far. Because cause you, you at least, you know, let people finish their sentences. Sean Mooney was just literally just like, oh, we need to get into this question. Oh, we need to get into this question. It's like, damn it, no. I want to hear her opinions. Her opinions matter. It's 1992. Frick. All right. Uh, funny story time by Mr. Fretz before we talk about the main events. Because I'm excited. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm a sucker for World for, for World Britannia, uh, and I, I, I love the Bulldog. <sighs> okay, so Cultaholic Classic Raw and SmackDown listeners, you're, you'll know this because it's referenced, it's poked at a bit. The people who do this podcast are Brits. They love Bulldog, but it's like they make fun of some of this stuff. <sighs> yeah, Hawk wasn't the only one who was effed. 
during this match show because Bulldog, not long before this, I don't know if it was the day of or not, but he'd been gone and allegedly uh, smoking crack with Nightheart. And when they got in the, when Brett and Bulldog got in the ring, Bulldog looks at Brett, he's like, Brett, I'm effed. I don't remember nothing. Uh, of course, he didn't say effed, but Brett luckily is like, okay, Davey, I'll carry you through this. It's okay. Uh, you can't really tell because the adrenaline was there. Uh, Rule Britannia deafened the place. That was a that was a pop. Actually, the pop was when he won, but. It was just sad because, you know, Bulldog, he he had his demons. And watching this, this was his crowning achievement. This was his moment. And he was effed. He was high. He, you could, like, there's a look on his face. I'm just like, okay, you're baked, bud. But this is your crowning achievement, your biggest career moment. Like, what the hell, dude? Seriously. Give give your head a shake, bro. But I love Bulldog so much. It was just sad to hear that. Like Brett Brett's book, which I have over here, is it's an encyclopedia. It's huge. Read it, by the way. It's good. He he talks about it. It's like I'm fucked, Brett. Uh, you can't tell because this match was amazing. This is very true. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's my review for this matchup. Match of the night. Go watch it. Yep. I ain't spoiling it for you. That's all I'm going to say. Other than Bulldog winning, of course. Okay. <laughs> and, and getting the pop of the night. Yes. Uh, yeah. This was Diana kind of being caught in the middle, but but for the record, I'd, if I was Diana, I would always go with my brother. Uh, that's, that's just me. Uh, no offense to my future wife, although now that I said that, that is not happening. Uh, Lennox Lewis leading Bulldog to the ring, uh, former boxing champ, middleweight boxing champion. And as soon as Brett came out, I mean, there was a bit of a hush. There was a bit of a quiet coming from the crowd. A few boo birds. I think Brett Hart was very popular in Europe. He, if you go and watch like World Tour 91, Coliseum video shit. Brett gets the pops in Europe, especially in the UK. But this is their hometown guy. This is like if... This is Cena versus Edge at, at Unforgiven 06 when they came to Toronto. And then vice versa because they wrestled in Cena's hometown at SummerSlam. Yeah. And there's a thing here where they're talking about Razor Ramon during the match, but it was Razor something else because it was Lennox Lewis boxing. Uh, Bulldog goes flying. Uh, there's a spot here where Bulldog gets bulldogged. <laughs> Imagine that. Irony! <laughs> Imagine that. There's a lot of rest holds in this match. There's a lot of talking because, well, Bulldog was baked and Brett was helping him, but there were some spots where, hey, Bulldog was holding his own. He couldn't tell. He was... That adrenaline of being in front of 80,000 of your countrymen uh, just goes off. And like, you know what? Okay. Uh, 
and there's all the British references here by Bobby Heenan. Uh, uh, more tea and crumpets for the Bulldog. I got, he's got some fight left. There was a running power slam. Bulldog's finisher. Kick out. Superplex. They do the double lariat and you know the spot where Bulldog wins. Sunset flip. Nope. I'm going to sit down. I hook you up. One, two, three. Eruption. The, if there was a roof in uh, Wembley Stadium, it would have literally blown off. And there's a bit of reluctance for Brett here uh, to congratulate Bulldog. But, you know, Diane is there. There's a big heart, heartfelt moment. And this is how you end SummerSlam with the British Bulldog. Leeds, England. England's own. Your hometown boy. Inter continental champion like for for the like i have a lot of friends over over across the pond we have some common friends across the oh, pond man. hey jermaine love you this is for them this is just something that they've been chomping at the bit for tom campbell that's what that expression is i love you um yeah just they were so hungry for some wrestling for a moment and they got it. Perfect. This was one of those shows that delivered. In honesty, minusing a lot of the things that obviously went backstage with obviously drug abuse as well as maybe even some alcohol abuse. We don't know that for sure. But all honesty, other than like a couple of matches, I thoroughly enjoyed this card. From top to bottom, it was entertaining, it was fun, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, this really is, it does have that feel of, you know, biggest, you know, party of the summer. Uh, it had that feeling of being like, oh man, we got these big matches coming up here. I mean, even if they had like some matches where it was just like, oh, well, these are kind of throwaway matches, still one of those things where it's like, okay, they kind of do serve a bit of a purpose. Um... I think, like, if I were to pick, like, the two matches, I would probably keep off. I probably would take off Nails and Virgil, because that was just, what the hell. Um, I probably would have even taken off Taker and Yoko, and, uh, not Yokozuna, that's, that's a year from now. Um, Taker versus Kamala, because that just was, like, it was there. Uh, definitely one that kind of shocked me was, uh, Crush and... Uh, Repo Man. Definitely was not expecting uh, Crush to be as dominant as he was, but he just killed it. I also enjoyed Sean and uh, Rick Martel. But yeah, you talk about best match of the night. WWE title match and the Intercontinental title matches were just absolutely phenomenal, as they should be. They're the two main titles in the business. They should be put on that pedestal and treated so well. And guess what? They were treated well. Warrior and Savage put on a really good matchup. And it wasn't their fault that Flair and Perfect decided to come out and beat dicks, but they furthered the story. And then you had the ultimate main event of SummerSlam. Still, still disputed to this day as the best in all of SummerSlam, Bret Hart versus British Bulldog. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. That probably has to be the best SummerSlam main event ever. Although, was the Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns... Was that SummerSlam? Yeah, it was SummerSlam. Because that was that was fun, that match. That, that, that but it doesn't hold a candle for a bulldog. 
that would probably, that, that that would be number number two. Yeah, Austin Taker wasn't bad either. I would I would also say uh, Brock. I think Brock and Cena might be third, just because Brock just showing his dominance in that matchup and something we never really seen. Cena literally basically getting treated like a jobber. <laughs> he get like two moves in, and then Brock's just like, really, nope, plop 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 plop. And that, that signature sit-up deal where he just looks at Cena and just starts laughing. It's like, oh, you cocky MF-er. Wasn't that Taker? He did, he did that a year later with Taker. Remember, because he, he sat up, then Taker sat up, and they both laughed at each other. There's that meme of Taker laughing at Brock. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, my God. Just that moment in and of itself is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Just more of that. So... I want to talk about one more subject before we call it an episode. So, obviously, WWE has a knack to do a lot of international shows. And obviously, one of the ones that has been very very poignant has been the Saudi Arabia shows. Because they got money for it. Obviously, for there, it's one of those things that we don't really like to talk about. But it's one of the things that also begs the question, if they're willing to make deals with that over in Saudi Arabia, how come they're not doing the same thing with big countries like the UK or like Europe? Now some people might say, well, they have NXT UK there. That doesn't matter. Bring some main roster talent over to UK. They have the homegrown roots. We were actually just talking about this. Could you imagine having SummerSlam in, in the UK or even somewhere in Europe Spain, for all we care. And you have Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton as the main event of SummerSlam. Drew would get an amazing, a huge pop because those were his roots. Europe is his roots, and he is proud to show everybody that, you know, this is where I this is where I came from, this is where I fought, and this is where I fight again. And then you have Randy Orton, who's being the biggest dick that he can ever be, but that's Randy Orton, so... I can appreciate that. Uh, just having those two big-time stars battling at SummerSlam, that'd be great. We even pitched some ideas of just amazing ideas that they could that they could do. It's like you build somebody up, have Aleister Black versus Walter from NXT UK. Oh. That would be absolutely amazing. A, because a lot of people don't know this, but Aleister Black, before he became Aleister Black, was Tommy End who was a part of the UK deal. And also, just those two having a hard-hitting matchup, hot mama, that would be great. Uh, Even building up a couple of things, maybe bringing Mustache Mountain, doing a little bit of these deals where you're just incorporating some of that UK talent with some main event talent. That would just be built as amazing. But then it would be like Survivor Series. No, it would be different. It'd be special. It's only happening during UK shows. Because you have these te- this new talent that you have going on over there, and you have them compete against these big-time stars. It can happen. And you want to see them peak, especially with revenue, with you know merchandise, and freaking ticket sales. That's how you do it, is that you build that up. And here's the thing. It takes a lot of planning to do that. You have to have good long-term planning to do that. So, definitely, I would say, as soon as WrestleMania is over, start planning for SummerSlam. Be like, okay, 
we need this matchup happening, we need this matchup happening. But, especially if it's something in the UK, it's be like, we need these UK fans, they love wrestling. Let's give them wrestling. Let's give them something to remember us by. That's how you make a really great UK show. And that's one that you could arguably make better than SummerSlam 1992. But unless you're willing to put the effort in it, it's going to tank. Yeah, uh, they're, they're saying they want to do SummerSlam like on a beach or on a boat. Have it on like the British countryside if you're worried about like social distancing. Just get a nice, something overlooking the ocean, just put a ring right there. But yeah, a, a UK, we have all these UK only pay-per-views like One Night Only, Rebellion, which it's a treat for them, but it's not big. It's not the spectacle that is a WrestleMania, that is a SummerSlam. And they go, oh, well, logistically, they wouldn't work because of time zones. Um, you realize that New Japan's a thing. Do you know how early, like, Wrestle Kingdom starts <laughs> in our time? Three in the morning, Eastern Standard Time is when, like, Wrestle Kingdom would start. And it's six hours long. So, don't give me that logistics and time zone bullshit, because time zones are bullshit. That's a different <laughs> different discussion for a different time. But you can make it work. I would... Like, UK deserves Mania, SummerSlam, hell, Survivor Series. Why not? I mean, we had... You know what I would have loved is if, like, Worlds Collide was a UK NXT show. Because that, because you had, was that, like, Undisputed Era versus Imperium? Was that yes. that show? Yes, that was. It was amazing. And you could have more of that, but if you want, if you want to get the main roster there, it's like, hey, why don't you do Worlds Collide, but do it overseas? So you get, like, Ilya Dragunov versus, I'll say it, Dragunov versus Seth Rollins, or Dragunov versus Aleister Black, uh, just gloves off. Uh, okay, Pritchard, you're not writing shit, just, you got the night off. Let the guys do their thing in the ring. Uh, I'm all for that. I'd pay good money to see that. Alright, so guys, if you want to be a part of the revolution that is Wrestle Attic Radio. Definitely follow us on our Twitter pages, Attic underscore Wrestle, uh, the, le- the legendary JF for Mr. Fretz himself, uh, at the real effing game for me. Uh, definitely check out our cohorts on the channel from the Delight Show, the Kings of the Ring podcast, as well as the Young Lions Retrospect Perspective, all three fantabulous shows. And Mr. Fretz also does his own little podcast, Fretzelmania, on the side, which he does at Fave Fives, does some fantasy bookings. It's a lot of really great stuff for you guys. If you also want to be a part of the revolution, definitely go to teesprings.com slash radio, purchase some of our merchandise, show your support, show it on social media, and hey, we definitely do want to show that you are definitely a part of the Wrestle Attic Radio family. It is very much appreciated that you do that. And trust me, guys, there's going to be a lot more coming in the future. Check out our Patreon, where we have so much content coming in. 
I'm working on a game show for the month of August, and first guest is going to be Jermaine from the UK, ironically enough. So definitely tune into that. It's going to be great. A uh, couple weeks, Mr. Fretz and I will be covering SummerSlam 2000, which is going to be a fun show. And a lot of Steve watching the entire show, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And there's a lot of things I definitely do want to talk about when we get to it. I think it might actually almost be a two-hour show, but we're going to try to try to cram as much as we can into it. Um, we also have, at the end of the month, Mr. Slack will be on the show as we will be discussing a fantasy booking on a heel turn that is just too big for one episode. No, it's going to be one episode. I just could not get the right pun involved in there. So, before we get into leaving you guys, I do have one other person that left a cameo. And let's just say that she definitely knows her way around books. Take it away, Leva. Hi, Nathan. It's Leva Bates. And <clears throat> they say it's your birthday. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Was my birthday too, yeah. Da-da. No, it's not. It's actually not my birthday. <laughs> my birthday was a few months ago. Uh, but I hope your birthday is the best. I uh, hope you get to do something. Fun. I know right now the world's kind of crazy and normal things that I guess we normally do for our birthday are not uh, as easy to do, uh, but you can still get a cake. You can get a cake. Uh, I actually got myself, <laughs> tell you all my, my secrets right now for some reason, I got myself an ice cream cake from Walmart. They actually have them. I didn't know that. I was shopping one day and I was buying a birthday cake for work. And I saw that they had ice cream cakes, ice cream birthday cakes. Because like, the only place that I've ever seen those have been Dairy Queen, and I don't really know if there's one around me or would be open, especially when my birthday fell a bit more deeper into the pandemic. So I was able to go to Walmart and get myself an ice cream cake, birthday cake, and I ate for several, 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 several days. It was awesome. I even ate it out of the box and then put the box back in the freezer. So, who needs plates? You don't need plates. Uh, I, I'm a sophisticated librarian, if you can tell. Um, <laughs> but I hope you do something silly and fun like that for your birthday. Um, it's a weird year. Uh, we're all trying to stay strong and just do something outrageously silly and fun. Uh, maybe it's an ice cream cake. For me, it was. So... But thank you so much for supporting me uh, and getting a cameo. Hopefully this helps uh, bring a smile to your face. Maybe you can replay the terrible singing of mine, singing the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> I am not a singer. That is why I wrestle. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate all the love, all the support. Uh, I hope. Uh, you continue to follow me on my journey. It's a lot of fun stuff in store. I'm actually leaving tomorrow to head to tapings, so I'm really excited for that. Uh, I got a lot of cool things planned, so uh, hopefully you get to see all the cool stuff and uh, enjoy it. <laughs> um, again, yeah, stay strong. Have the best birthday you can. Um, but life gives you lemons. Make sweet ass hard lemonade.
and drink it up for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Nathan. So, this is where it gets to be bizarre, because her and Taylor Hendricks are the ones that have given me, like, almost three-minute cameos, while everybody else has done, like, maybe, like, one and a half, three minutes. Paige gave me only, like, 15 seconds, which I'm a little bit salty about that, but at the same time, she's probably had more people asking for cameos for her, but anyway, I'm not going to be too salty about that. So, thank you, Leva, for that. Loved hanging out with her and at StarCast. She was one of the highlights of that entire deal. Uh, she was also one of the ten ladies that I gave flowers to because I wanted to be a sophisticated man himself. And I want to tell you guys a kind of a funny story that has happened on social media. So, one of the burning jokes right now for me and Leva is that uh, one episode of AW Dark, I saw her... Uh, showing a book to, I think it was one of the Young Bucks, and one of the Young Bucks just slapped a book out of her hand, she gets pissed, and she just starts beating down one of the Young Bucks with with the book. And literally, I remember watching the uh, the, uh, the uh, graphic for, it was going to be uh, Peter Avalon and St- Steve Cutler, I believe it was, taking on FTR. And literally, I just retweeted her tweet, and I said, said, well, let's just hope that we don't have to worry about, you know, books getting ruined. Otherwise, you know, I got, I'll get your Barnes Noble card. I'll, I got your back. And <laughs> it gets funnier, because a couple days later, actually, I think it was a day later, she literally posts, posts up this uh, Baby Shark book that she had on there. Why? I don't ask these questions. Um, and basically just says, it's going to be one of the last time." You know, this this was a great book. It lasted for a little while. To me, to me, I literally just retweeted that and I put down, reads this post. I just said, I'll get the card. <laughs> it was literally like 24 hours after I made that proclamation. Oh yeah, I got your back. I'll get you a Barnes & Noble card. It's fine. I see that post and it's like, she did this intentionally. <laughs> she, she is an evil librarian. <laughs> The, bl- the blue definitely makes her less threatening, but it was one of those things where it's like, damn it. <laughs> now, I have to, now I have to own up to my word. You don't have to. She's one of my good friends. Leave me alone. <laughs> so, thank you, Leva Bates, for that. Thank you, Aaron Stevens, for that. Thank you, Freds, for making my birthday absolutely special. Definitely do appreciate that, my brother. Dude, we got, we got a crazy month ahead of us, and it's going to be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, SummerSlam 2000, I'm at Blackman versus Shane, and, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, please don't die. Uh, you fun with that matchup. <laughs> yeah, luckily that's not for a little while. Uh, uh, work is hella busy. I mean, COVID be damned. It's still tour season. You all know I live on a beach. The beach is packed. Social distantly, it's spaced out. Everyone's doing their part. It's okay, we're social distancing. But it's still busy, you know. I'm just a grocer, a hashtag essential worker, although I don't call myself that. Yeah, uh, so luckily it's not for a while. I got some time to do some stuff and record some fives. Hopefully I recorded one tonight so you'll hear it. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface this cheap plug. If you like my, my fave five, and you have an idea, because quite frankly, my list is getting shorter. My creativity is running dry. If you have a topic you want me to cover, 
uh, hit me up at the legendary JF. You can send me a DM, uh, Facebook, if you have me on Facebook, but I don't check Facebook, uh, or whatever. And you can even send me a voice clip on Anchor, if you have that, anchor.fm slash Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Uh, like Nate, I played a clip from Nate, I played a clip from Jermaine, who both have list ideas. Hey, you can give me another one if you want, Nate, uh, and I'll get to it for your birthday. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I might uh, have a good one. I think I got a good one, so I'll, de- okay. I'll, de- I'll definitely send it to you via, via Anchor. <laughs> good. So, hey, if you have ideas... Please, folks, let me know. I'm trying to branch out. I did a couple of Impact ones. Maybe I'll do Ring of Honor, New Japan. I might even bring back for a couple of weeks because we're getting SummerSlam and TakeOver, my fave moments of the week, because I haven't done it since COVID because crowds or because, hey, uh, there's no crowds and there's nothing happening here. Let's talk about topics. But, hey, hit me up, bro. And sis, and on my neighbors, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody hit him up because he's looking for suggestions. Well, for the Game Changer Podcast, I've been Nate the Effort Great, joined here by the one and only Mr. Fretz. Thank you guys for listening in. Be sure to check out everybody at the Wrestle Attic Radio family. So much happening, so much going on. Just remember, guys, be safe, be smart, but also know that you can make a difference. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. It's going to be cray-cray. On left. This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast. The Better Business Bureau investigates and reports on scams that hurt consumers through the BBB Scam Tracker website. Here, some people share their stories and others educate themselves. And together, we empower our community. En JCPenney, compra y ahorra en grande para el regreso a clases. Compra uno y llévate uno en selección de ropa interior, toallas Liz Claiborne y mucho más para tu familia. Además, ahorra 20% extra con tu cupón o aprovecha 25% de descuento en selección de Nike para todos. Y ahorra 40% en selección de Levi's para él y ella. También recuerda que tenemos servicio de entrega a tu auto sin contacto. Los mejores ahorros de la clase están en JCPenney. Nike y Levi's excluyen del cupón. Ofertas válidas ya. Aplican condiciones y exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.